just when we thought last year was like, oh my gosh, is this incoming group smart? The next group comes along and, you know, they've got to prove it. Everyone's got to prove it, but on paper, the, their their academic achievement, uh, which we monitor very closely, obviously, um, was, was quite high at the undergraduate level. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and media, engagement, entertainment, business, obviously. Uh, I'm Joe Favorito. Today, joined by Scott Rosner, because we're going to take a special look as we're at the start of our semester, the fall 2021 semester. At the year back, the lessons learned and also kind of some of the news around our program and the new faces we're gonna see on campus at Columbia as we start a new semester back in the classroom. Scott, welcome back to the Cusp Show. Hey, Joe, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on our podcast and uh, talk all things program, sports, business, uh, and otherwise with you. Uh, so thanks for having me. Yeah, and I should say that uh, our usual co-host, Tom Richardson, is off doing other things. Here we are the um, right after Labor Day in September of 2021. Uh, and Scott, I think the last time we actually did this when we were in person was a year and a half ago at the Super Bowl in Miami, sadly. so that That is amazing. I mean, it, it really, it, it, to think about how much the world has changed and all the things that uh, have, have, have occurred in, over the last 19 months since we last did that uh, is, is pretty remarkable. And uh, Snoop Dogg and Guns N' Roses are still around, which was the, before I saw James Taylor last week, the last concert I sat with you in American Airlines Arena in January. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that so. is the la- still the last concert that I have seen. Yeah. So Scott, um, I think it would be good. I mean, you've seen so many things, kind of the progression of how the pandemic, uh, social justice, mental health, the Olympics have affected our business world. And you've been such an eloquent spokesperson on all those things. As we sit here in the September of 2021, with most people either going back to school or returning to jobs, actual jobs in an office, um, what are some of the, like when you think back, especially even my, for since really the Super Bowl two years ago. Like what are some of the things that, that have jumped out to you that have been world changing or things that even you're watching now going forward? Well, so a, a lot to unpack in, in that yep. question, Joe. You know, I think we start at the beginning uh, and, you know, with, with you know, March uh, of 2020, the world suddenly uh, coming really to, to a full stop um, as we had known it and our pivot and our program to remote learning um, and, uh, you know, really the cessation of all things in the sports business world, um, you know, games stop, uh, you know, and, and everything else that we've, uh, that we've told stories about countless times and, and will be part of, of, our, of our history. Um, you know, I think that the, uh, the pivot and, you know, the fear that everyone had and everything else, the nervousness and, you know, from wiping down groceries um, as they were as they were being uh, delivered to uh, the rise of, of DoorDash and, and everything mm-hmm. else. And, um, you know, we had the, the, the great fortune of having a, a Peloton delivered um, on uh, on, I think, March. I want to say it was March 17th uh, of 2020. And so the pivot to uh, to at home fitness. Um, you know, as we moved away from, from gyms uh, and other fitness facilities, um, you know, has, 
you know, and then the resurgence, right? The return, um, you know, the fanless return in, in, in spectator sports, um, you know, the distance return uh, in youth sports that, that we saw. And, mm-hmm. you know, I saw firsthand through, through my own child. Um, you know, it, it's really to, uh, to the gradual return, uh, you know, the great optimism uh, with which we started uh, this baseball season, I guess, for, for if you're putting it in sports seasonality is the way that we always do uh, in, in our world. Uh, and to now kind of, a, you know, a lot more trepidation. You know, and if you look at uh, some of the data that's out there, uh, there was a morning consult uh, survey that I read uh, about a week ago that looked at sports fan confidence in returning to stadiums. Uh, and it's dipping back down again as Delta has spread across the country. Uh, and, and so, you know, we're nowhere near uh, out of the woods. You know, there's starting to be talk about the shift from a pandemic to, an, to something that, that's endemic. Uh, with COVID-19 um, and, you know, some Columbia researchers uh, really at the forefront of that. Uh, and, and so, and so the beat goes on uh, and we learn to kind of live with uh, a headline that I saw last week. Uh, I believe it was the new abnormal uh, was, yeah. was the way that it was, it was phrased. Uh, and so, you know, we, we adjust, we pivot, um, and we maintain, uh, you know, try to maintain to a degree our senses of humor about this when, when possible and when appropriate. Um, and the beat goes on. So uh, you and I were two of the ones who drew short straws and were actually doing hybrid classes in class last semester, uh, actually last fall, um, which was both exhilarating and eerie at the same time. You've been around the education space for quite a while. Um, any takeaways of things that you learned, you know, best practices that came away as both as an instructor or, you know, that you heard back from students? And by the way, also as a parent with kids who were in remote learning, what, what were some of the things that you saw um, that, that were both remarkable and, and kind of um, stunning? Yeah, say. so I'll, I'll start with the positive and the, and the things that, that we learned. Um, you know, and, and Joe, I, I think of it in a little bit different way is, you know, it wasn't drawing the short straw um, in that you and I were in the classroom actually teaching face to face, really at the, I think, prior to, to many of our colleagues who, you know, understandably were not, um, uh, were, were not as, as, I guess, uh, or I guess a bit more reticent and understandably so to get back involved in, in, in I, class by the teaching. Way, I love- I thought it was great. I, I really. Oh, enjoyed. it was it, it was terrific, but it, it came with challenges. There's no question. I mean, you're kind of on. You know, we talked about it at the time as being on stage and screen at the same time, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, we we both learned from it. Um, I think the students were really appreciative of the effort. It was only a handful of our classes. It was you know the two of us mm-hmm. and, a, and a couple of other folks um, who were in class. Uh, in both the fall uh, and then I returned in, in the spring and again in the, in the summer. Um, but, you know, I think that the then teaching in a mask and learning how to, uh, to get through that and, and all that comes, comes with that. But I think the students, um, you know, really a- appreciated that. Um, you know, for me, you know, I, I looked at it and, you know, as, as one that, you know, I don't want to say I didn't have a choice in the matter. Um, but how could I ask other faculty to be willing to go into the classroom uh, if I wasn't willing to do so myself as the, you know, so to speak, leader of the program? Um, and so I did and, and, uh, and nervously, uh, there's no question. 
um, you know, you kind of put the hand signal up, like step back as students started to approach you and, and everything. But, um, you know, but I, I, I really uh, I'm so thankful um, that I was able to, to do it. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, our, our students uh, were as well. Um, and, and so, so there was that piece of it. Um, and it's funny how quickly you adjust, right? Um, and, and the hardest part, I, I think for, for me at least, uh, was coming out of each of the two hour classes, like horse, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, it was after Guns N' Roses and Snoop, right? When, when we barely had voices <laughs> from, from singing along, right? Um, but it was uh, the projecting of the voice into a very big classroom. So, so to our listeners, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, maybe 20, 25 students in a 140 person classroom, right? Yeah. So as to allow for social distancing. So big lecture hall, um, you know, no microphones or anything like that. So, um, so, so I love the attitude. I love uh, the grit, the resilience, the determination uh, that our students and that our faculty and staff showed uh, during, during that part of the pandemic. Um, you know, I think that from a learning standpoint, uh, we learned uh, that we can do some cool stuff with technology, uh, that it's, you know, that our world, which is a great world, right? We're in New York City and, uh, and all that it has to offer in our industry. And it gives us unbelievable access to not just phenomenal faculty, uh, but also to tremendous guest speakers that really very few other programs have the ability to bring in. Um, but that we could pivot that and expand this to beyond New York City to the world, right? Via yeah. Zoom. Um, so I thought that was I thought that was really interesting and cool and really benefited our students. Um, you know, I think that the uh, the other piece and, and I'll credit uh, your co-host uh, and our great colleague Tom Richardson for this, who suggested um, these 20 to 30 minute Zoom phone calls uh, with sure. every student um, at the beginning of uh, the semester in all of our classes, not just the ones that were, you know, in a hybrid world, but for every single class, every single faculty member, it was kind of like you did office hours, but made them mandatory and did it remotely. Um, and that was a huge hit. Um, it's a pretty heavy lift, right, to, to do that, because we have some, some classes that had 20, 30 students in it. Um, and the you know, the ability to do that and the students, I think, really enjoyed it. It was a great way for us to get to know all of our students and, and so much so that we're continuing it uh, going forward. Now that we're back in the classroom and, and everything else, uh, those those intro Zoom phone calls, uh, they start tomorrow for me. Yep. I've uh, we're here on uh, the Tuesday after Labor Day. I already have six in the book and, and uh, we'll talk. We'll pivot a little bit to to the upcoming semester. Um, and the students that are coming in and some of our new faculty and the new rankings that are out now, but it was, uh, it's, it's the enthusiasm, especially for students. Um, and I, I think most uh, faculty members in any program right now are anticipating or getting this anticipation of people can't wait to be back face to face. And that comes across in a Zoom call still, even though, you know, some people may be remote or traveling or somewhere, you know, trying to find a new apartment on the Upper West Side, which is always a challenge. <laughs> so, um, I think the, um, and I've said this to a few people, one of the, the memories I have of being on campus last fall, there were two things. One was the class finishing and the abject silence of no one else being around. There's no buzz of people coming in and out. And the other thing, which I thought was just bizarre is, uh, it was a beautiful Thursday, October day, and I was walking across campus going back to my car and in front of the little library. There was a pigeon, a hawk eating a pigeon, 
and he just kind of looked up at me and went back to eating the pigeons. It was very apocalyptic, too, as a matter of fact. So, <laughs> I don't think we'll be seeing that this fall. Um, I, I don't think so either. And it's funny, campus is coming back to life. I mean, it was, yeah. uh, you know, we were on campus last week for orientation. Uh, we did two of our three days of orientation in person, some great sessions, um, you know, as we bring in this, this excellent new group of students into our, uh, into our world. Um, and it was so cool. Just, it, it was, it, it was vibrant. It was, you know, what you expect a college, uh, campus and, and one that is, um, uh, that we were fortunate to teach on. That's as, as great as, as Columbia's campus and all people all over the place. It was fantastic. So, mm. you know, that, that got everyone, uh, really excited to, uh, to get the semester going. Yeah. I thought, um, one of the real telltale signs that New York was coming back was, I was on campus about two and a half weeks ago in the middle of August and parked on Riverside Drive. And there were the goats eating all the weeds along Riverside Drive, which was an initiative that the city had started two years ago. And I don't know if they're going to be there through September, but if anybody's wandering around near Grant's tomb on the Upper West, <laughs> walk to the other side of Riverside Drive and see the goats eating all the weeds uh, off the hillside. But anyway, there you um, go. But we're not goats, we're lions, obviously, being Columbia and athletics is back. Um, Scott, your thoughts on college athletics coming back, even on a campus like Columbia or, you know, with some of the bigger schools and obviously some of the, the upheavals that are now going on, but the value of live college sports again for the, the overall college experience, you being a Michigan guy. Um, what do you think that's going to mean this fall, which it hadn't really meant over, you know, the last year at least? Well, I, I think before we get to the kind of seismic shifts that are going on, in, in the landscape of intercollegiate athletics, um, uh, you know, which are primarily business side and some of which are very, very good for the student athletes. Um, you know, just to have intercollegiate athletics back is fantastic, right? The, the ability, um, you know, for young people to compete at, at high level, um, you know, high level sport uh, and all the things that come with, you know, participation in intercollegiate athletics uh, is great. And with fans back, you know, that adds obviously dimension, not just financially, but from an excitement perspective, um, you know, the viewership for the, you know, the opening weekend games uh, this past weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend were, were terrific. Um, you know, I think that it's off to a very good start. Um, you know, of course, by, as you mentioned, my, my alma mater, undergraduate alma mater, University of Michigan, um, who has had a rough go of it in the last few seasons, you know, got off to a good start. We'll see uh, when, the, when the level of competition, you know, increases. But it's great to be a fan again. It's great to see the big house packed uh, mm -hmm. to the gills, um, you know, and the excitement that comes with that. And in intercollegiate athletics, you know, it, it's a unique landscape, you know, big time college sports, um, the excitement level, the enthusiasm. Uh, that comes with that is really something that is, is not replicated in the professional uh, level in the United States. Yeah. And now one other thing before we get on to rankings, semester coming up, new faculty, new faces, returning faces, um, you know, I'd be remiss without asking you your opinion on name, image, and likeness, which is something the last time a lot of colleges were, well, yeah, there were, there were no colleges playing when NIL actually essentially took effect at the beginning of July. Your thoughts, big and small on NIL and, and the opportunities and, and the issues that it may arise. So big picture, uh, this is obviously terrific for the student athletes, um, you know, to be able to monetize 
you know, the name image likeness is something I think a lot of people have felt is long overdue. Um, that's the big picture and kind of how I feel about it from the, you know, that 30,000 foot level. That said, there are a lot of issues that need to be sorted out along the way. Um, the guardrails are as kind of broad as they could possibly be right now. So you're seeing um, just a lot of, uh, I, I, let's call them clever, unique deals uh, that are being struck. Uh, again, the, the student athletes are able to monetize, um, you know, all of this. So again, this is terrific, um, but for them, but there's a, a lot of um, issues that, that need to be addressed. And, and, you know, a state-by-state framework is probably not the answer um, for, you know, for addressing it in a meaningful way. Um, it really is going to require some well-thought-out federal legislation uh, to address it. I, I don't think we're going to see that um, anytime soon, there's, you know, you know, there's a number of different iterations of federal bills that have been, uh, introduced, uh, you know, none of which, uh, I think would solve most of the problems. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, uh, that we've seen a rise, um, but all in due time, um, you know, yeah. obviously a complete abdication of responsibility on this by the NCAA, they've really passed the buck, uh, Oops. to the, the individual conferences and schools. Um, and, uh, uh, but certainly an exciting time to be, uh, to be a, a student athlete in particular in a high profile sport or at a high profile school, um, and, uh, others where you have a high pro high social media, uh, profile as well. So, uh, good for the kids. Um, you know, it'll all be sorted out in due time. Um, but, uh, you know, th this is, it feels like, you know, this must've been what it was like when they talk about the wild west. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the early stages of the wild west, when it was, things were still getting wilder. Um, you know, this must, must have, must have been what it was like way back then. All looking for gold, similar. So it's exactly big gold rush. Um, so we are here, uh, recording this the afternoon of September 7th. Uh, and this morning, earlier today, sport business put out their annual rankings. Um, once again, Columbia did extremely well, especially in two pretty important categories where Columbia came out as number one. You want to kind of walk us through um, everything with the rankings and what that means and where we ended up. Yeah. So sport business is one of the, you know, large global publications following the business of sports. They're very good at what they do um, from a news collection standpoint. Um, you know, some, some very good writing as well. Uh, efforts in the U S led by Eric Fisher, longtime sports business journal reporter who moved over a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and Fish and his team do a, do a terrific job uh, in covering the, you know, many different angles of the, the business of sports. Um, they are the only publication um, that ranks sports management programs at the graduate level. Um, and so for our listeners who might be familiar with like U.S. News and World Report rankings of 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 colleges and uh, and universities and and you know other publications that do you know the similar kind of rankings. This is the only one for sport management programs, um, and so this is the tenth year of the uh, of the the rankings. Um, you know, as you mentioned, we did we did quite well. Um, you know, rankings I think are are um, you know kind of born to be hated in, in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, I think that the methodology has improved every year. I'm, you know, proud to say I'm, I'm part of the advisory board 
um, for the uh, publication. So uh, my voice and Columbia's voice and other programs' voices uh, are heard uh, as try to make the rankings, um, you know, better. Right. Um, you know, not just in a way that benefits Columbia, but in a way that benefits all schools to give a real true meaning, uh, you know, for what these rankings are. So I would say that this is probably the best version of the rankings yet. It's not our best ranking as a program, but I'd say it's the best version of the rankings yet. Um, there's still a lot of things that, you know, quite frankly, I, I disagree with in the rankings and my voice is heard and, you know, and, and that's part of the exchange process, but the, the rankings are not meant to be my worldview, right? <laughs> They're meant to be the worldview of, um, you know, of, of all of the advisory board and all of the editors. So, um, so we finished overall. So Columbia's sports management program, uh, finished, uh, fifth overall globally. So, and you have to remember there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of, uh, graduate programs in sports management. So, um, you know, we're, we're towards the, you know, very much towards the top of the list on this one. So fifth overall, uh, fourth in the United States, uh, overall. Um, and, but the sub rankings are, uh, things that we're particularly proud of. Um, so we finished first overall in, uh, in all the employment metrics, if you think about them collectively. So uh, number one in salary, three years post-graduation. So the rankings look at the class and survey the class of 2018. Um, so that's actually before I got to Columbia. Um, so the class that graduated in 2018. Um, and, uh, you know, they were done their classes before I got to Columbia, I should say. Uh, and then, uh, so we finished number one in salary globally. So just over $100,000 uh, average salary three years out. Uh, we were number one in employment uh, at six months post-graduation where we had a perfect score, uh, which means that everyone was employed six months post-graduation in, in real jobs. Um, and, uh, and the overall employment score, we were number one overall. So we're proud of all that, um, you know, and I think that speaks to uh, our staff and, and how great uh, our career support is on that front, Bess Brodsky. Um, who is our industry uh, specialist um, who works directly with our program and, and, and is part of our full-time staff. Uh, Barbara McGloin, who is uh, in the Career Design Lab, uh, which is Columbia's version of career planning and placement. Uh, and Tony Pontoro uh, as well, who was our executive career coach. Um, you know, and look, the students are coming out with a, with a great degree. They're very smart. Um, you know, it's, I, I wish I could take credit for it. It's, it's really on the students um, in being so diligent about it and, and the support that they receive uh, from our staff. Um, and uh, so, so we're proud of that. Um, you know, I think that the, um, you know, the other things that we look at where we've improved, we're at a kind of at an all-time high. There's a peer review um, uh, ranking. So it's kind of like where you stand uh, compared to, uh, or I'm like compared to others, uh, in the eyes of your peers. So those who lead sports management programs. Uh, so we finished fifth overall globally, uh, there, which is, uh, something we're, uh, we're, we're quite pleased about, um, in, in, in the improvement that we've seen, it's an all time high for us. You know, we're looking forward to hopefully climbing higher in the future. Um, but, you know, I think it hits a, and we were, like I said, we we're fifth overall, um, in the rankings. But, you know, it's funny, Joe, because these come out every year, right? And I'm on the advisory board and everything else. And um, it's something that, you know, I think, like I, I alluded to before, there's kind of a love-hate relationship with the rankings. 
Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that what, of how we did and everything else. But it, quite honestly, and you know this, it's not something that we kind of trumpet, um, you know, and, and we talk about um, continual improvement and comparing ourselves against ourselves and being the best version of ourselves uh, as we see it, not as how others see it. So it's kind of the focus on the internal pieces as opposed to the external pieces. Um, so it's great, but it's not like we're out and, um, you know, screaming from the mountaintops. Um, you know, how we did. We did a little bit of social media around it. Uh, our alums take some pride in it. It's, you know, important to certain stakeholders at the university. Um, but uh, we don't teach to the test, right? I, I mean, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, we're not doing things to improve our ranking. We're doing things to improve ourselves. Uh, and if the rankings, you know, improve as a consequence down the road, that's great. Uh, but that's not why we're in this. So why we're in it are the students and our faculty and, and our alums. Um, talk about the size and kind of the scope of our incoming class here at the beginning of September. And then let's talk a little bit about some of the new faces in the faculty, which are, again, unbelievably impressive and such a privilege to be around. But let's talk with the students. Give us a little bit of uh, kind of a who, what, where of, of students as you know them as we get closer to the beginning of the semester this week. Yeah, so I think you're right. I mean, so it's funny, we, we do do this for the students. That's what this is all about, of course. Um, and a fantastic group coming in. Um, they are our highest achieving group uh, academically to date. Um, they're a little bit younger, uh, which we think is COVID. They're about a year younger um, than, uh, than, our, than we've been in the past. Um, and it's amazing. Every cohort keeps getting smarter and smarter and smarter. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. Just well, we, well, we, we kind of keep the plateau, which is a little bit scary, but that's okay. So, yeah, well, it's funny. It, it's <laughs> just when we thought last year was like, oh my gosh, is this incoming group smart? The next group comes along and, you know, they've got to prove it. Everyone's got to prove it, but on paper, the, their, their academic achievement, uh, which we monitor very closely, obviously, um, was, was quite high at the undergraduate level. So, uh, there are, it's a big class. Um, it is the largest one that we've had. Um, the, uh, the numbers will have 75 uh, students uh, joining us. And again, we started orientation last week. Uh, they come from all over the world, 16 different countries uh, represented um, from Africa to uh, South America uh, to, uh, uh, to, to Europe, to Asia. Uh, we're kind of we're kind of covering all the bases, right? Uh, as we go around the world, so uh, so like I said, sixteen different countries. Uh, we are uh, over forty percent female, um, uh, which is great. So uh, you know we're we're getting there. Uh, we are there. There's tremendous diversity in pretty much any way you think about it, Joe. Right? It's it's really um, we're very intentional uh, about putting a phenomenal, well-rounded group together. Um, and we're just fortunate uh, that we've been able to do so. So uh, they'll come in and expectations are high, uh, still a lot to prove, and uh, uh, they haven't attended a day of class yet. So uh, this is all kind of on paper uh, as we think about it. Um, but, uh, but we're pretty excited and uh, champing up the bit to, uh, to get things going. Cool. And let's talk a little bit about the faculty, Scott. I mean, um, we've already had over the years some of the biggest and the brightest and the most engaged faculty from all over the world. Um, we've added, so as you said, we've got the largest class we've had. So we've added not just new faculty, but more faculty. 
Uh, and when I look at the list of where they are full-time employees, you look at the NBA G League, Activision Blizzard, CAA Sports, DraftKings, the New York Yankees. Um, let's talk a little bit about who they are um, and what they are bringing to the program, which is a different perspective, I would imagine. And by the way, a lot of our new faculty also happen to be female, which is pretty amazing as well and very important to the, the balance of what we're trying to do. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. The uh, our one of the you know, look, I, you know, I have a really cool job and I, I haven't been in, haven't been shy about sharing how lucky I am uh, to do what I get to do for a living and to work alongside uh, the people that I get to work alongside and the students that uh, that I'm so fortunate to uh, to be able to uh, be a part of their lives. Um, but our faculty, as you said, we knew we had to grow a little bit. Right. Um, because we want to maintain our fairly small class sizes. Uh, we don't like classes that have more than 20 or 25 students in them. Um, so that meant that we had to add uh, sections and we had to you know, go about it in a very, very intentional way. And, and I'll start, let me back up. I'll start with my, with my colleague, LJ Holmgren, uh, who is our deputy program director um, and also uh, put her just earned uh, second master's degree in applied analytics to great work and building out a model uh, that really forecasted what demand would be um, you know, for, uh, for the various classes. And then we work from there. It's okay. We need another faculty member in this course. We need another faculty member in that course. Um, so it actually really started with LJ. Um, and then, you know, I went out and, and said, okay, let's, uh, let's bring in the, the, you know, the best available athletes, so to speak in, you know, each of these different areas and people who can really kind of, you know, obviously first and foremost, teach, right. Be dedicated to our students. Um, you know, without that, it's a non-starter. So went out and, you know, started with a list of several hundred people um, and uh, ultimately winnowed it down uh, to the folks who are joining us. Um, and uh, look, I mean, you know, when and then they have to be coached up, right? Um, and brought into our world and plan a syllabus. And um, it's not like they're handed a cookie cutter. They, they have a, you know, a pretty big say in, in their course planning. Um, so uh, we'll start. How do you want to do this, Joe? You want to go in alphabetical order? I'm going to run them down. Uh, and you tell us a little bit about each one of them. Start with Portia Archer, who is the chief operating officer of the NBA G League. Yeah, so Porsche is amazing. Um, Porsche is you know, Columbia alum, uh, been in the industry for uh, for a number of years, um, she's double Columbia. She's she's a rock star. Um, she is uh, COO uh, of the uh, of the NBA G League. Uh, she is you know someone who had, has a deep media background. Was uh, uh, very helpful in the food chain at NBC Sports Group uh, prior to joining the G League, um, and you know someone I knew in passing, um, but thought very very highly of. Um, and, uh, we, you know, approached her and we got to talking and, uh, she's going to be joining us teaching one of our, uh, sections of, of our foundations of sports management, which is our intro, uh, course. That's a core course. Uh, it's required for every incoming student. Um, and she'll be one of the faculty, uh, teaching, uh, that, and, uh, she actually has a tremendous course associates to an alum of the program, Jackie Bartolomeo, uh, who I believe has been a guest on the podcast before. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so they're, they're going to be a great team, uh, and uh, Porsche is going to crush it in the classroom, and our, and I think our students are going to be going to love learning from her. Obviously, esports and gaming, 
big part of what we're trying to do going forward. It's been an integral part of the last couple of years. Uh, someone who's involved in that business now is Kristen Connolly, who's VP of Global Marketing at Activision Blizzard. Tell us a little bit about Kristen. Yeah, so Kristen um, is uh, in global partnerships for Activision Blizzard um, and came from the traditional stick and ball sports. So she's kind of best of both worlds, right? Um, and so uh, Kristen had, was, was a director of marketing with the Jets uh, for a number of years. Um, she also, shout out to my, to my uh, law school alma mater and former place of employment, University of Pennsylvania, where Kristen was an alum as an undergrad um, and uh, then got her MBA at Stern uh, at NYU. Uh, super smart, had done a lot of teaching on an adjunct basis um, and uh, uh, was is someone who was, is, when, I, when I reached out to her, she, you know, um, I don't think she could have said yes fast enough. She was really excited about getting into the classroom. Um, her, her class is kind of ready to rock. She's teaching a sports marketing for us. Um, and uh, she'll be teamed with Tom Cerny, uh, who will be uh, the course associate uh, for Kristen's course. And they work together at the Jets. Right. So uh, it's a it's a, you know, kind of a, a reuniting of sorts. Uh, and Kristen's great. I mean, she really understands um you know, the, the marketing side of the business from, uh, you know, from the front row uh, and both to think about both stick and ball and esports, uh, pretty cool combination. Yep. Uh, speaking of cool combinations, Jennifer Duberstein is now at CAA Sports. A lot of our faculty, a lot of our alums, a lot of our students ask about the agency side, but she's also got a background in another sport that our, a lot of our students, especially our international students, love in soccer. Yeah, so um, I am I, I am so excited to add Dubs uh, to the lineup. Jen Jennifer is um, someone that I've been friends with for for a long time, um, and uh, always enjoy her company. She's a tremendous person, um, and it's been it's been amazing to see. You know, when you're friends with people and, and they rise to corporate ranks, and you see them do great things, and um, you know, it's uh, uh, it's it's been phenomenal. Uh, to see her rise up the ranks at, at CAA. Um, and so when, um, uh, when the opportunity, you know, you know, was created to bring in a new faculty member uh, in, in the sports law course, uh, she was uh, <laughs> the first person I thought of. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny when I, when I called her, um, and reached out and we we connected um we, she called me back and we connected i was actually in line uh with my kids uh waiting for them to get vaccinated uh, and and that's when the return phone call had. i was like oh boy uh, so i talked you know we, we we talked you know very quickly and and i said okay really quick you know are you interested She's like oh my god i've wanted to do this for a long time um, and that led to follow-up conversations um, and uh, a phenomenal personality. Um, the preparation uh, level is uh, uh, everything you would expect out of someone uh, who has done so well in their, in their career uh, to this point. Um, and uh, Jennifer is going to be terrific um, and really, really excited for, for her to join. Another one who seems like she's really excited to join us, and she just got a new job in another hot area, sports gambling, is Joanna Levy, who's now just recently got a job in the last couple months as director of sports books analytics at uh, DraftKings. Tell us a little bit about Joanna. 
Yeah. So Joanna, um, I think has had the great misfortune of being taught twice by me. Um, and so, uh, uh, as we're sensing a theme here, Scott, I don't know what that is, but we're kind of figuring uh, it out. So. As, as, as an undergrad and, uh, again, as a, an MBA student, uh, at the Wharton school, um, and she's amazing. I mean, she's someone who I've kept in touch with, uh, over the years since she was a student and have followed her career and its progression, uh, very closely. Uh, she teaches a hard class to teach, um, that fundamentals of sports analytics course, um, is, uh, is, is a challenging course to teach. And there's not that many people that have a, the ability, right. To, to teach it just from a pure technical standpoint, it's a hard course to teach. Right. Um, second, um, you know, the, the hunger and the, the real, you know, kind of what we anticipate as ability to communicate and thrive in the classroom. That there's, there's just not that many people who can do it well. Um, and uh, in the midst of all of this, right, Joanna's making a, a job switch, um, just made it. Um, and from uh, Comcast Spectacor, uh, where she was uh, really focused uh, on the Philadelphia Flyers um, and then did some other stuff during the pandemic, but really focused on the Flyers. Um, and then now with, with DraftKings, um, and, uh, you know, she's, she's going to be great and, uh, very fortunate to have, uh, to have her, uh, with us. And the last of the newbies is Michael Parker, director of financial operations, <clears throat> just across the river at the Yankees. Yeah. So, so Mike is another one, uh, who comes highly recommended. I didn't know Mike at all, um, before the, uh, uh, before we started our search. Um, and again, uh, a course that is uh, not the easiest to teach. The, to teach accounting and finance well um, is, uh, is, is a very difficult thing to do. Um, and so, you know, really kind of um, searched uh, far and wide and, and got to talk to Mike and get to know him a bit. Um, and uh, we have very high expectations for him. Obviously, uh, his pedigree at the Yankees um, and what he's done there speaks for itself. But it's more the other pieces of it, um, you know, in, in all honesty, that, you know, that, that drew us in. And, and so great on the professional side. Uh, and I think this goes for our faculty. But again, you have to have that commitment. You have to have um, that ability um, to, you know, to really want to commit yourself uh, to our students um, and to, in some cases, you know, for those who haven't taught before, to really get in the nitty gritty. Um, and, you know, we're Columbia, right? So pedagogy is extremely important uh, to what we do. You can't just bring in a name and say, okay, go teach. Um, you know, so uh, they are, in, in, again, using sports speak, coached up, um, taught how to teach. They go through a, cor a course designing process. Um, you know, LJ uh, Holmgren, again, uh, is really instrumental in all of this and um, in, in getting uh, our faculty ready to go uh, and into the classroom. So, um, you know, and again, you know, like how cool is that? Like for me, I, I you know, to get to work with all these uh, really well accomplished folks, um, I'm, I'm pretty fired up about it. And, you know, we'd be remiss in not talking about the core four who are really the full-time faculty. You, Len Elmore is back. Grant's son is back who we've had on the podcast. LJ, you mentioned Tom Cerny. Quite a great group to be finally coming back on campus, Scott. How great is it that you'll actually be able to see people on campus? And then all our adjuncts. You know, I'll, I'll run off the list 
you know, Chris Lincheski, Tom Richardson, who we've mentioned, Joe Rosales, Carla Varialli, Rob Gerbian, and Adam Rankin coming back again. Bill Squires and Bill West Wiswesser, an alum, teaching that class again. Tracy Belmere, and then, you know, the other faculty who are always av available and around, maybe not teaching this semester, but ar around to help our students, our new students, our alumni, our returning students kind of get to that next level. Pretty cool group. Yeah, it is a, uh, it's really an amazing group. And, um, you know, one that, you know, just, you know, I, I just pick up the phone and call people, right? So, um, you know, and catching up with everyone uh, over the summer, um, just to, you know, see how they were doing and, and uh, you know, how the, how the course planning was going, but really just a, a catch up and, and say hi kind of thing. Uh, everyone's really, really excited about getting back in. Uh, and as we've started to see each other in person again, right? So you have to remember for our staff, we generally speaking, haven't seen each other a whole lot, right? So, um, you know, again, being on campus last, last week for orientation um, and just being around, you know, LJ and Tom, uh, the way that we typically are, you know, Bess Brodsky, um, who, you know, leads all of our career efforts um, and is in, in many ways, you know, she thinks I'm kidding, I think when I say this, but really the most important person in our program um, uh, in, in the work that she does with the students um, and seeing Bess on campus, you know, uh, last week. Um, you know, that it's, it's, it's just nice. It's, it's like everybody else, like, you know, that are really enjoying getting to, um, to, to be back in the presence of people who they genuinely like, uh, respect and, um, you know, and have the pleasure of working with. And it's funny, I guess the last time we've had any kind of mass gathering that had students, alums, some of our faculty was at the Sloan MIT conference right before all this started at the beginning of March, which, you know, we, we drove up there together. And yep. I remember on the drive, you're like, well, looks like our, our Spain trip is not happening. And yeah. little did we know that's not the only thing that wasn't happening, but it's great to be able to talk about those things. Maybe even going back to the Super Bowl in LA and doing some more stuff, you know, hopefully Sloan MIT, hopefully our own conference when we get to the spring, um, all these things that are so important to the, the growing experience not just of the students and the alums, but our faculty and our staff is great to, to be able to have that opportunity again. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, look, I mean, the virus is ultimately gonna dictate uh, and its path will dictate a, a lot of what we are able to do, um, but we're hopeful, right? We're optimistic um, because that's who we are, right? I, I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, being relentlessly positive um, and, you know, that is something that we will continue to be um, and, you know, hopefully our, our best hopes and, and, and desires uh, will ultimately be, be realized in, in the coming year um, where we have to pivot. If we have to pivot, we will. Um, you know, we've already pivoted a little bit, right? Because the plan as of uh, about six weeks ago was that faculty and students will be um, uh, in the classroom. Everyone's vaccinated on Columbia's campus unless you have a religious or medical exemption. Um, so fully vaccinated students, staff, uh, faculty, um, you know, no social distance in the classroom. And until six weeks ago, we were maskless. Now the mask mandate has returned, um, at least through the month of September. Um, and we'll see where it goes from there. Again, that really just depends on, on the flow of the virus, um, you know, and, and, you know, how it, how it tracks. So, um, you know, but I, I again, um, even with masks on, uh, in the classroom, it, it's, you know, every, I think everyone's pretty excited about it. 
Um, and, you know, we'll continue to, uh, where appropriate, uh, you know, do some virtual things as well. Um, Columbia's campus is not open to, uh, to I guess, outsiders uh, would be the best way to put it right now. So you'd have to be faculty, students, staff to be on campus. Um, so our guest speakers will continue to be virtual. Um, some of our events, um, you know, will, that we're doing, uh, all of our events that we'll do will be virtual events. Um, and, uh, but we'll continue to bring it right because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, so last thing, Scott, you mentioned that, uh, you spent some time both online and in person with, with the incoming class, um, both that as a parent, as a colleague, as an industry executive, what's some of the, the messages that, that you've been giving out to people as we move into this, you know, hopefully hopeful fall again, unlike really any other one, but, but one that looks like we're moving forward. What's some of the messages you're leaving uh, or you're, you're telling people going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, again, be relentlessly positive, but be a great teammate um, as we bring new students mm -hmm. in. Um, you know, it's, it's a big, small industry, um, you know, or a small, big industry, depending on how you want to phrase it, uh, is the sports industry. So, um, you know, and, and, and how you treat others and how you get along with others um, is, is extraordinarily important in, in your career progression. Um, so talking about being a, a, a great teammate is something that we, we've spent some time uh, talking about with our students, um, you know, and building culture. I mean, I, I think that's at the beginning, um, you know, of, of our program. We think about the culture that we are um, trying to continue to foster and grow at Columbia. And it's been, it's gone very well, but, you know, every year you bring in a new cohort um, mm -hmm. that, uh, that needs to be, you know, to, needs to, to learn that culture, right? Um, and so we do that. And uh, we've got our uh, peer mentoring program, the Columbuddy program uh, coming in, uh, you know, and, and launching in the next, uh, the next few days. And we've got our uh, alum buddy program where we bring our alumni in to mentor students. Um, so uh, I am very hopeful. I am very optimistic. Uh, and uh, couldn't be more excited, quite honestly. We have the best class of one of one and done's of any school, any school in the United States. <laughs> yeah. so. You know, and every so often, that's true. And, and every so often, uh, you know, we have those who kind of turn pro early, right? Yeah. Um, you know, to, uh, to, to embark on their career. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're very fortunate. We've, it, look, it's, it's a, uh, it is it is a really fun, rewarding thing to be able to do what we do. Cool. Scott Rosner, it's been great getting the update on everything that's going on. I'm personally excited in batting leadoff this Thursday uh, in a class space in Riverside Church, which you can call me Father Joe now going forward. I'm really excited. To have that. No pressure. There have been some some he the heaviest of hitters um, yep. have uh, have MLK have move over. Bit. Here I come. So. Right. Well, I mean, Dr. King, Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Um, I, I had a course that was scheduled for that before it got moved, uh, for it to be in that space. And, and I, honestly, uh, I was intimidated by it. Um, I'm excited you know, to be I in that wait. room. Yeah. It, it, it should be cool and, and fun. And yeah, you're batting lead off. You're the first course of the yeah. semester. Cool. Well, once again, Scott Rosser, thank you for all you do for our program. Uh, amazing ranking information, record size class coming in incredibly valuable faculty, both returning and new. It's going to be a fun fall. Um, we actually can't wait, Tom and I have said this, to actually do some of these in person again at some point in the near future. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and, and once again, thanks for joining us on the Cusp Show. 
No, my pleasure, Joe. And thanks so much for having me. Anytime, you know that and always a pleasure. Cool. For our uh, producer standing in, Ben Walsh, and for uh, my co-host in absentia, Tom Richardson, I'm Joe Favorito. Thanks for listening to The Cusp Show and we'll see you down the road. 